Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drip. King David boasts in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord. And that is, is such a helpful reminder when King David says, for, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And he goes through and he lists all of this, like the, the grace that God has towards his people to forgive sin and heal diseases and, and um, redeem lives from the pit. But the same thing, at the same time, as he closes up there, as he reflects on the character of God, he realizes um, that, that this is happening not in an isolated bubble where it's King David uh, sort of, of uh, solo with, with God, the Father, um, but it's among the people of Moses. Uh, it's among the people of Israel who have received all of these blessings. Um, and so as, as David experiences his, his own personal forgiveness, this own, own freedom and restoration that God gives by his grace and kindness and steadfast love, he's realizing this happens in the context of a faith community. And there are all kinds of benefits to living in this kind of community that, that is uh, understanding of uh, the ways of God, that are, that are familiar with the grace that's been made available to us in Christ Jesus to forgive our sins, to make us a new creation, to put His Spirit within us, to guide us, to lead us in the ways of righteousness. And so tremendous blessings, tremendous gifts of friendship and people who will pray for you, people who will support you when your knees are weak, people who will, who will cheer you on as you are taking big steps toward Christ. There's incredible blessings of being in a, a covenant community, a faith community. And while there are incredible blessings as, as, um, as fellow believers that we get to share in, uh, the glorious inheritance of the saints— there are also challenges. There, there's difficulty as we live in uh, our lives together in community and on mission because though we've been forgiven of our sin, though we, we've experienced all kinds of grace and mercy from our Lord, we're still uh, being sanctified. 
that there's still sin in us. The flesh is still raging uh, against the, the spirit of God that's that's dwelling in us, that's that's leading us into this new life. There, there is this tendency uh, for Christians to think that once I get saved, I just stop sinning. That's not the case at all. In fact, um, when you get saved, now the fight starts against your own personal sin, right? Knowing from a place of forgiveness, uh, of being dealt an incredible hand of mercy, now I can actually fight my sin uh, in a way that will show real progress. And so as we live in community and on mission, though we are are living with our redeemed uh, brothers and sisters in the faith, faith we're, we're also living with fellow sinners. We're, we're sharing our lives. We're, we're brushing shoulders uh, with people who struggle with sin, who struggle against uh, the flesh. And, and because of that, oftentimes, um, there are conflicts. There are, are times where um, relationships are strained, and you can feel that because of, of somebody's wrongdoing, somebody's sin. There's a, a it's like a damper gets put on that relationship where things kind of feel off kilter, and and it's hard to function uh, in a way where you're actually entrusting yourself to that person, where you're, and the relationship sort of clicks on at what a normal tempo would be. And um, what, what happens in relationships, and let me just take it to marriage. So let's say marriage is a perfect, perfect example of this because the, the quarters, the living quarters get so much tighter. You're, you're in much closer proximity to this other sinner. Um, and in marriage, when, when you, you're married, you're marrying another sinner and you're living with that person for the rest of their, your, your life, their life. Um, and when sin happens, you need to know how to deal with it appropriately, um, you need you need to figure out how to how to wield the tools that God has given us um, to forgive, to be reconciled, um, and and move forward in the relationship. So it doesn't impair that sin um, when dealt with properly. It doesn't impair the future of that relationship. It actually um, enhances it. It strengthens it. Just like when a bone is broken and it heals, it heals stronger than it was before. Um, but most people don't know how to deal that do that they don't they don't understand the tools that god has given us um to be able to deal with sin and and when it's not dealt with uh, the right way when it's not dealt with the way that god tells us teaches us how to deal with it um one of two things tends to happen it it either accumulates and accumulates and accumulates um to the point where it just makes everybody miserable um the, the relationship, you might be going through the motions, you might be there locked in with that person, um, living life with them, but there is a guardedness, there is a, a sort of misery that comes because you're not experiencing this this deep connection because there's something, um, something interrupting that relationship. And so the first thing that happens, that could happen is, is without it being addressed, is it just sort of things uh, accumulate and, and in that so do um, bitterness and resentment and, and just an overall sense of misery um, because your heart isn't necessarily for that person. Your heart isn't, um, it's not wanting to move toward them because maybe they hurt you or may, maybe there's something that happened that, that hasn't been dealt with that just makes it so you can't. Um, and so rather than moving forward one way or another, it's just, it, you, you internalize everything, you keep things in, in your heart. Um, and, and then you just sort of have a miserable existence. You kind of rough it out and you, you know, you keep your, your relationship together but by all health indicators, it's it's nowhere near health. Um, and and the other way is where people have 
experience that the same thing accumulates it builds and builds and builds but instead of just calling it you know calling it what it is and, and making do you know people result to to uh divorce and saying hey we just can't do this anymore what's the point in this it, it's no fun and you see a parting of ways now in a lot of ways you see the same thing happen within the church um, so if marriage is a covenant relationship, so is church membership. That's why we have an actual church covenant to, to be a member at Sacred City. Um, there, there is a vow, a pledge that each individual person takes and says, this is how you know that I'm, I'm holding up my end of the deal. This is what it looks like to, to follow Jesus. And specifically within this locale, this this local congregation, here's what I'm about. Here's here's what you can expect from me. But when when people are sinned against, um, there, there's a breaking of that covenant. And when there's covenant breaking, it, there needs to be covenant renewal that takes place afterwards. And, and that, that can only happen when there's, um, there, you feel conviction, there's repentance, then forgiveness and, and movement towards reconciliation. Um, but without that, you're going to end up with the same thing. Either people will stay in the church because they they just don't want to go somewhere else. They don't. It's not that they don't. They're not open to going somewhere else. They don't want to do the hard work of going somewhere else. Um, they're they're willing to just sort of ride it out for what it is. Um, and and in the in the meantime, it's like a miserable existence for both parties. For them, it's not great because they're just. Um, they're sort of stewing in, in bitterness and resentment. And then on the other hand, it disrupts the culture of the church where if the church is supposed to be this sort of ecosystem of grace, this relational ecosystem of grace and God's kindness that just sort of transfers from member to member. Well, there's a disruption there um, when when sin isn't dealt with uh, appropriately. And then the other side of that is, you know, maybe maybe they just get up and go. And I'm not saying that there's never a good time to leave a church, which uh, maybe that's a podcast for another day of exploring what are good reasons to leave a church, but but merely um, a uh, an ordinary encounter of of being sinned against. And ordinary is it's sort of a uh, it. There are degrees of sin, I suppose, that would warrant a quick departure. But most relational stuff in the the day to day stuff of life um, probably would not fall under that category. Um, and so what happens then is they just take their ball, they go home, or they move on to the next place, they break covenant, and, and they're gone. And uh, both of these things are, are sad um, because they're destructive to, to the Lord's church. They're destructive in either uh, disrupting a gospel culture. Um, it's, a, it's a subhuman existence. It's a sub-new sub life uh, way of being in the world. Um, or it just fractures and splinters the church in a way that, that could be avoided. Um, and so to, to avoid that, the Lord knew our frame, the Lord knew our tendencies um, and, and how we are prone, even as, as the, those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, uh, to create relational dysfunction by our own sin. And so he's given us uh, a procedure. He's taught us how to, how to deal with sin in a way that will lead to reconciliation if both parties are um, aligned to uh, the will of God and to uh, just, just open to God's grace and understanding of, of His mercy and how the gospel works. And so one of the things that, uh, or the places, one of the primary places where the Lord teaches us is, is in Matthew 18. And what we're going to do is just look at the first part of this this passage. Um, it deals with the situation if your brother sins against you. If you're in a conflict, uh, a sin-induced conflict with your brother or sister in Christ. Here's how you deal with it. And and the pattern has this escalation thing going on. So uh, the first step, you go to them alone. If they don't listen, you go with this small council and you discuss it with them there. If they don't listen, then you take it to the church. 
uh, if he doesn't re- repent, then then there is this dismissal, this removal to treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to talk about this whole thing um, in this podcast because I believe that most of the issues with our church, um, any church, would be resolved if we were just to merely abide by verse 15, which says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So this is one of the things that, um, I don't know if it's, we're just not good at this. We are not good at going to our brother uh, or sister who has sinned against us and, and telling them their fault. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's a cultural thing where we just feel like, um, it's not a nice thing to do, I, and and that's one of the. I have a problem with Christians like thinking niceness as a virtue, like because niceness is is a a counterfeit of kindness. Um, kindness is a biblical thing. We're we're commanded to be kind, be kind to one another. We're told that the fruit of the spirit is kindness, but niceness is a, a counterfeit because what kindness does, it, kindness is willing to step on our toes. Um, in order to bring us to a better spot. Uh, or like, think of it like this. Um, if you have a, a child who is just eating all of their Halloween candy in a four-hour span, um, the nice thing to do would be to not disrupt them. Because, well, that, they're enjoying their time. We don't want to ruin that. We don't want to cross them. Um, but that niceness will inevitably lead to a terrible bellyache. And if, if it's a sustained lifestyle pattern, it's going to lead to some, well, some, some serious obesity problems and, and maybe type two diabetes. Um, so that, that, that's where kindness can lead you. Kindness, um, delays the, the momentary pain or, or, or rejects a momentary pain. Uh, and, and rather embraces a long-term problem rather than kindness, which kindness will disrupt um, with a momentary affliction in order to lead to a long-term peacefulness. So it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God's, it's not God's niceness. God doesn't just let us do what, he, what we want. He doesn't let us to kind of keep on and sinning. Um, God's kindness, his, his provocation, his, his poking, his conviction— um, his hard word is actually what leads us to repentance. It's that thing that opens us up to a better future. Um, and so many Christians have have kind of flipped this niceness and kindness thing around where we're just supposed to not offend anybody. We're not supposed to, to cross anybody or say a hard word or, or even go to our, our brother and sister if they've sinned against us and, and tell them their fault because that's not nice. Well, actually, that's not kind. Because here you have a command. If your brother sins against you, this is not merely a suggestion. And I think that's how a lot of people read this. This is a suggestion that that the Lord gives us. If, if you want to work up the nerve to do this, here's what you need to do. Now, this is a command. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Um, this is super important for the maintenance of God's people. It um, When sin is left unchecked, it will ruin the culture. It will ruin relationships. And so Jesus says that we have to take our sin seriously. It's it's crouching at our door, waiting to devour us, just as Cain was told um, back in, in early chapters of Genesis. Like sin is, is looming and it will devour us if we do not deal with it appropriately. And so Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Now, we need to understand something first, though. Before we go and, and tell him his fault— we need to actually ask the question of, 
is what they did or said, is that legitimately sin? Now, th- this, is, this, is the, this is the real kicker here, um, because there are so many people that are going to tell other people about their fault, um, but it's not necessarily sin. So h- how this might look is that um, somebody is offended by something that was said, um, somebody didn't like it, somebody, you know, there's something that just didn't feel right to that person. So very subjective in the emotions, in the, in the emotive end of things, rather than uh, evaluating the the interaction based on the objective word of God, where God does actually tell us legitimately what is sin and what is not sin. So um, here's the thing. So there are a lot of people that get offended about things that they think are sins, but it is not sin at all. Now, here's a silly example of this. As you probably know, I'm a Raiders fan. Hard season to be a Raiders fan. Um, but somebody says to me, they can come and say, man, those Raiders stink. And I can tell they're, they're just trying to rib me, right? And, and they're like, I don't know how anybody could be, anybody in their right man, mind could be a Raiders fan. Okay, I, I might take offense at that um, if I'm really, if my heart, my identity is really wrapped up in the Raiders. I might take offense at that and I might say, well, you're sinning against me. Well, are they though? What what commandments have they broken? What what sort of direct scripture uh, uh, commands are being shattered there in that moment? How do I know that I'm just not making myself now the the judge, the creating a new standard based on my feelings, my opinions, rather than what God says? So uh, I would say in that scenario, um, they are not sinning against me in that. Um, in fact, it's probably a lighthearted thing, but I'm interpreting that thing all wrong. Um, I, I'm in, in my emotions. I'm I'm not r- grounded in reality of what is and is not sin. And though I might be offended by that, that does not necessarily mean that there was sin involved. Uh, and so I think that that's one of the things that that Christians tend to do to do today is um, wherever there's a, an offense, there must be sin. But you can you can easily. Um, unearth that misconception because all you got to do is go and read the book of, of Acts. Um, so many times the apostles were offensive um, to people. So many times in just calling people to faith and repentance and, and sharing the good news of, of, of the gospel, um, the disciples are accused or ch- even like chased out of town or, or tried to be murdered um, for, for, the, for being offensive. And um, are they sinning in that? No, they're they're obeying God. They're they're proclaiming the good news, but those people are interpreting it as something that is bad, that is offensive. They just don't understand what God's word has to say. And so I, I think that when we go to our brothers and sisters, we need to be sure that that we are going as we're going to tell them their fault, that their fault is actually sin. Um, and using the word of God to help us understand what is sin and what is is not sin. Now I, I think. Part of living in community does two things um, to us simultaneously. The gospel cultivates something in us, two things simultaneously. One, I think it, it helps us cultivate thick skin. So when we have an objective reality, uh, an objective understanding of what sin is and what sin isn't, um, we can allow little things to roll off our, our backs, right? Those those little, like that that quip about the Raiders. I, that thing to me doesn't matter because it's not... It's not really an issue. It's not a thing. Um, and though it might hurt my feelings or whatever, 
um, that itself is not sin. And so the gospel helps me develop a, a thick skinnedness in helping me to understand what is and what isn't sin. And that things, those things that are not sin just sort of, uh, fall off. You know, I, I let bygones be bygones. I cover love cultivate or excuse me, love covers a multitude of sins. And I let that go. Um, and, and so there's that thick skinness where the things just don't get in. But the other thing that it does is it, 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 um, it cultivates us in a forgiving heart. So not every single sin that I experience with somebody else, um, do I need to chase down and have this interaction with? Um, there's a lot of a forbearance that can go on in a church community where um, not that I'm tolerating the sin, but rather than than dealing with the sin, I just forgive that person without even needing to go to them and tell them their fault. Now, th- there's certain sins where you can't do that, right? There, there's certain sins where it needs to be addressed, but these little nicks and scratches and bumps and bruises that we get, relatively speaking, or, or metaphorically speaking, spiritually speaking, um, those are, are things that we can uh, just let go. We can have a forgiving heart towards people as those things happen and not necessarily need to chase down every single thing and bring justice to them. However, um, when injury is breaking bones or poking out eyeballs or, or you know, dismembering limbs, um, that, that's when sin's got to be dealt with. But those nicks and scratches and bruises, a lot of times when I, when I understand where I'm at with, with Jesus and the gospel, how much forgiveness I've received from him, a lot of those small things can go. And so it, that's, that's one of the things that makes a community really strong, a Christian community really strong, is, is a, a deep-rootedness and understanding of the forgiveness from the gospel that gives me thick skin, teaches me what is sin and what is not sin, and also um, gives me a forgiving heart where I'm able to, to look um, to, to forbear with my brothers, be long-suffering with my, my brothers or sisters where, where those little nicks and scratches are happening along the way. But in the circumstances where they're bigger things, we've, we've got to deal with them. And so the first thing is, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault uh, between you and him alone. Um, now, we live in a, an era where there are uh, several different ways to communicate with people. Um, you can you can face to face phone call text message messenger i don't know you can run something through the sky an airplane pulling a banner behind him whatever let me just say this for the sake of this i this may not necessarily this is not a biblical command although i think you can pull it from from bible times here that jesus is not saying text message your brother and tell him his fault um, cause that technology didn't, uh, exist then. It's a fact, nothing did besides face-to-face communication and letters. So maybe those two things are, are Jesus approved, uh, in this, uh, historical context of this. But I think that he says, go to him and tell him his fault. So there's a sense of face-to-face interaction that if, if we're doing this behind a screen, um, even behind a letter, and there's times where, where letters are the only means of communication. Maybe that person doesn't want to talk or, or maybe they're unwilling to meet where a letter, uh, needs to be that that communication needs to happen and the last resort is a letter or some sort of written communication but i would say um that if it's happening behind a screen um, or even over the phone there can there's just tends to be a lot of room for misunderstanding um, a, a lot of projections that are being made you can't read you can't read uh, facial expressions or body language you can't do any of that from behind a screen or over the phone and those are things that are really helpful um, as you're communicating with uh, sensitive subjects that that are helpful to have now I've I've made this mistake multiple times uh, in my life and and I have have made a, a vow um, that 
if, if at all possible, these communications happen face to face. I might text message uh, or, or call or do something to set up a meeting or, or get together with somebody to talk about something. Um, but I, I don't want to have this like mediated conversation with some piece of technology. I want to be able to go to them and have a conversation uh, when those are, are necessary. Um, and so that's, that's one thing as you're doing this, um, that, that you actually do like the real interpersonal communication work of having a face-to-face conversation. If you need to write down your thoughts, if you need to write down what you're going to say, maybe nerves get, get, the whole, get a hold of you and, and you just feel like you're going to freeze, may, yeah, write it down, um, but be the one who says it to that person's face. Now, as you do this, it, the, the, the goal of this is not that somebody would emerge um, superior to another one, that, that the scales of wrongdoing would be um, tipped in the other direction. Rather, it would be this restorative, this sort of this, the uh, equilibrium is restored in this relationship rather than there being a, a debtor um, or a transgressor and a debtor to, um, to another. And so the goal of this whole thing is to win your brother. You see, that, that's what the, the second part of verse 15, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. And that's what all of this is about. It's like wanting to have a restored relationship, to be in unity, walk faithfully alongside your, your brothers and sisters. Though we may sin against each other, the gospel not only brings us into this community, but keeps us in this community. Um, and I, I believe that a lot of the problems that we have in the church, a lot of the relational dysfunction that goes on in the church would be resolved if, if every Christian would make this a point of, of when there's something going on, when, when you sense conflict or some sort of disruption relationally of having this sort of face-to-face conversation. Now, what I don't want to see happen, because I think you can go off, off the road to the other ditch on the other side of the road, is then everybody becomes a sin hunter, that everybody's like, hey... Um, you know, you start keeping a tally of, of things so that you can go have these conversations. The goal is not to have these conversations. The goal is to have uh, fellowship with your brother. Um, and so I, I don't, I'm not, I, um, I'm not advocating for that, that other side of the ditch tendency from, from not having those conversations to only having those conversations, but you, realizing that in order to have this sort of walking on the path together relationship, there, there are going to be, need to be some hard conversations along the line when sin happens. Um, and of course, if we were to keep going on in um, in 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 this passage, Matthew eighteen, uh, we would see how things would escalate. But but at the very bottom, it says this: "For wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them." And and I think that in that pat that that verse is saying two things at the same time, both in in regards to verse eighteen, when it says, "Whatever is bound um, on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever's loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven." Um, so I'm saying I, that that there's some, it's affirming the authority of God in that moment, um, that God is there, that that His His authority, His presence is there in a real sense. But I also think on the positive side, um, where two or three are gathered in His name, so wherever wherever that reconciliation is happening, there God is. So He's the only one that can be attributed to the reconciliation uh, that takes place between believers. So. Um, and he gets the credit because God is the one who forgives. God is the one who restores and redeems and reconciles. It's, it's out of our reconciliation with God that we are able to be reconciled to one another. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, and so God is the one who gets the glory in this. Uh, it's, not, 
It's not my moral superiority. It's not my courage to, to have this conversation. It's not um, your humility to, to repent. It's, not, it's God who gets the glory in this because this is how God graciously deals with his people, and he gives us this structure um, to move forward. So th- that's what it looks like. So in, in a nutshell here, if your brother sins against you, one, you need to make sure it's actually sin, and two, it says go. Like there's a command to go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens, you've gained your brother. The goal is restoration. The goal is getting your brother back to have unity. So th- that's that's what I want to talk about um, for today. It, it was really, I, I know I mentioned this in the sermon in Nehemiah 5. We see this general template being worked out with Nehemiah. Um, but but one of the biggest pitfalls of the church is are when we have unforgiving hearts, this calloused and unforgiving heart. Um, that that interrupts the relationship, the the culture of grace, um, of, of both truth and grace, um, that that can disrupt and and lead to the long demise of a church. And so, let me ask you. Just at, let me pose the question: Is there some someone that you need to go to? Is there is there a scenario in your mind um, that has has hampered? your relationship with somebody else in your mission community or, or maybe just in the church at large or even a Christian outside of the church and, and speaking of the universal family of God um, that, that they've sinned against you that you need to go and speak to and, and have this conversation and try to to be reconciled to them. Is there is there a conversation that needs to be had? And, and let me just ask this before uh, you decide to take that next step is, is it actually sin? Um, is it really, did they actually sin against you or are you just offended? Is your sensitivities spiked in a way that, that does not represent the things that you should be sensitive to according to the word of God? It's, it's maybe oversensitive um, or undersensitive depending on how you view it. Um, and so is that the case that it's actually sin or are you just having a hard time emotionally or, or relationally or, or spiritually and you need help dealing with that problem yourself? So between those two things, I think that, that those are really great conversations or the things that we need to think about. Um, and, and that will lead us towards deeper relationship, a greater degree of spiritual maturity among the individual members of the church, but then even more uh, faithfulness and productivity in the mission of God as we aim to make uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ known in our city. And and one of the greatest apologetics of the gospel, the fact it is the existence of the church, not just that God brings people together, um, not just that God saves sinners, but God is able by his grace and might to keep sinners together in gospel relationships to the praise of his glorious grace. And so I, I'd love to see our church um, grow in this to, to be uh, aware of, of these tendencies of, of that we have that are disruptive to church life um, and and aim to be faithful to the Lord Jesus and take him at his word. And so if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between him and, and you alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother and there is rejoicing in heaven. That's all I got for today. I hope that's helpful in helping you think about conflict, navigating conflict. If you have any questions, shoot at me. Let's talk. Uh, if there's something that you need to, to talk through uh, from, from a pastoral perspective, you maybe maybe you're you're struggling with is this sin or not, um, and you need somebody to to help you think through that. Let let's sit down and chat. That's part of my job as a pastor is helping you navigate these spiritual issues. So so hit me up. I'm sure you know how to find me. I uh, love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I look forward to worshiping with you on Sunday. 